Hey, I'm Fred. And I'm Ed. And this is Create a Generation. Create a Generation of Hype. All right, Frederico, what is happening this week? This week we're changing Katie Morton, who is a licensed therapist and a YouTuber, and she makes some really great videos on mental health. Like our brain seeks out threat. So when we hear negative things, we remember those. But it's hard for us to absorb the positive ones because those aren't threatening. That's right. And Katie joins us to share her top tips and advice for creators to deal with things like burnout, anxiety, and just general mental wellness. Before we get started, we've been working really hard in the background on our own online course called Changer College. The online college just for content creators. Check it out at changercollege.com. That's C-H-A-N-G-E-R college.com. Let's get into it. Let's get into it. Katie Morton, welcome to Creator Generation. So good to have you on the show. Yeah, great to be here. Thanks for having me. Katie, we have a history of me telling who our guests are and what they do. In, I do a really bad job, so I've outsourced that now to our guest creators and experts. So can you please introduce yourself and tell us yeah, who you are and what you do? Yeah. My name's Katie Morton. I'm a licensed therapist and YouTube creator. I have a mental health channel on YouTube where I educate about all things mental health related. That's very succinct. Much more succinct than I could possibly ever hope for. <laughs> I'm used to saying it, I yeah. suppose. <laughs> <laughs> so as a therapist, why are you creating YouTube content? Like, what, how'd that happen? It was actually uh, my husband's idea. Uh, he went to an event years, I mean, we've been on YouTube for eight years, and people were talking about the power of YouTube and reaching people. And at the time, I was still, I think I was still in graduate school or just finished graduate school. Anyway, I was still gaining my hours and working in the field. And I was talking about how people don't really understand mental illness or eating disorders. Um, people are always you know, there's such a stigma and all this stuff. And he was like, well, why don't you put it on YouTube? Teach people, talk to people. And of course, like anybody at that time, back in 2010, I was like, no, that's weird. <laughs> um, and then after him sending me videos from Jenna Marbles and Anna Akana and all sorts of different people that were on the platform at that time, he was like, this is a thing people do. You should do that. Um, and then we started. It was like really late in 2011, I want to say it was like November. I was like, okay, we'll do it. Okay, fine. And yeah, and then here we are. How did like, oh God, there's so many places I can. I want to go talking to you, Katie, both as a, a creator and and your you know, um, your your expertise. Um, but how did you come over, get over the whole like, well, this is weird, um, <laughs> and and then put yourself in front of the camera. Yeah, I mean, definitely my first maybe year of videos. I'm not sure. I'd have to look back. But I'd, even the first like three years are still kind of cringy to me. Um, I think I, you just feel awkward. Everybody feels uncomfortable in front of the camera. Or most people. I shouldn't say everybody. Probably like 90% of people. You're like, I don't know what to do with my hands. And this is weird. Um, and I think, honestly, just like anything, it, it's weird at first. And then you just slowly get used to it. So it becomes you know, like old hat, as they say. So I think as if you've watched me for many years, the first videos are just very cold, very clinical. It, it's like you're honestly, it's more therapisty me like in my office where it's quiet and I talk slower. Um, and now it's more, more who I really am in my regular life. Like there's more personality to it. Um, I'm much more animated, even with like gesturing with my hands and stuff like that. So I think it just took it just takes doing it over and over and over until you're like, well, I guess, you know, it's not as weird as I thought it was going to be. <laughs> and were you worried about putting yourself out there? Like, or did, like, I don't think I thought about it. I know that's weird. I think now people think about it, but back then it was like, no one was really doing it. And I was just doing it because I felt like it was something that needed to happen. Um, that, you know, mental health information should be available for everybody. Why is that not a thing? Um, <laughs> And I, you couldn't make money at the beginning. I wasn't really able to make any money off of it because I, you know, I wasn't in the partner program. I couldn't even make thumbnails. I think it was kind of just a hobby. And I just thought, this is a weird thing I'm trying out. <laughs> I don't know. I never, I never thought about it as putting myself out there. Although because I wasn't licensed yet, I did have to ask my then supervisor, Patty, if it was okay if I did it because I'm under her license as a therapist mm. because she's like training me. Um, and she was super stoked and so excited about it. 
and was like, you do it, go for it, get it. Awesome. So thanks. Thanks, Patty. Patty sounds <laughs> rad. I like Patty. Right. So what's, mm-hmm. it, what's it like going from, um, you know, starting out like that to sort of being known now as like the YouTube therapist? Yeah. I mean, it's been a slow grow, I guess. I think there've been a few huge transitions for me personally. Like I quit my full-time job at the hospital about, I guess, four years ago now, a little over four years, it's been four years in March, this last March. So that was a huge transition where it went from just being like a hobby and things to like being like more of a full-time job. Um, and I still see patients in my private practice, but I think the shift for that was huge. And then I think also, um, just the slow and steady growth on the platform. I've had no viral hits. That's not really the nature of my channel, Um, but definitely some key collaborations, whether that's um, back in, oh, I don't know, like 2017 with Hannah Hart or more recently with Shane Dawson. Those were large collaborations for me at the time. Um, The Try Guys, it just, it's helped really move the channel along and helped it grow to where more and more people are aware of it. Because often when I go to events like a VidCon or Playlist Live, they always say like, Oh, I didn't know you existed. That's so cool. You know, and I'm like, yeah, I dig, I exist today. So I think the first time I, I came across you was actually from inside the creator studio when they, you know, where they have feature videos and there was um, videos on like, you know, creator health and that kind of thing. And then up from there, I watched quite a few of your videos and like, oh, this is, this is really interesting. So you, you must have all these different places people are, are finding you from. Yeah, I mean, I definitely do, you know, different podcasts, uh, different, like I did do the, I forget, was it, it's not Creator Insider, it was the Creator Academy, where I did the Creator Burnout series, and that really got traction. Um, Yeah, I'm always curious, whenever I meet uh, fans or viewers, I'm always like, how'd you, how'd you find me? What happened? You know, and sometimes they'll say the obvious, like the Shane Dawson thing, or they'll be like, it was just recommended to me. I was watching something else. And I was like, hey, that sounds interesting. So I always enjoy figuring out how people came to know that my channel exists. I was just actually looking through the videos. I was looking at the, the Shane Dawson video. It's actually not, it's it's obviously, it's up there, but it's still not your most popular video. Big, the most popular one is the um, the signs of depression. It's still, it's still the biggest one. Yeah, the six signs of depression has been my largest video, but I think it's like the, the collaboration as a whole, because like his videos get like, you know, 130 million views total mm. so um the collaboration i did on his channel definitely brought more people over to mine as a um a youtube <laughs> creator that's that's creating like really valuable like you know informational content you seem to be kind of also embedded in like the more entertainment-based creators like you're, you're quite connected to a lot of them like like you just mentioned shane dawson and the try guys and is that intentional from you as a creator or are you are you seeing a lot of your audience these creators are a great vehicle to reach the people that you you need to talk to like is is Um, a bit of both yeah I think it's probably a bit of both a lot of I mean a lot of it just comes from being a creator and going to events and always being open to to collaborating with other people because I think everyone has an audience and mental health effect like everyone has a mental health and mental illness affects one in five globally, which really means that it affects all of us. And so I think if you, you know, that's just kind of been the grow over the years as like, cause Shane, for instance, reached out to me years ago to be on his podcast. Cause he had questions that he wanted me to answer, you know, because he gets, he has his own mental health issues and his viewers talk about things. And he just wanted to get like an ex an expert in. And so I think, that's kind of how that's grown and just relationships over time um, more and more as YouTube has leaned into the educational creator. I've, they put on what's called Educon um, and they have them around the world. But the first was in Anaheim around VidCon, the, the um, U S VidCon. And it was the day before, and it was a great way to connect with other people doing cool things. Everything from like Rachel's English who teaches English to people to Diana Cowan, who's physics girl Um, There's so many cool creators. And so that's kind of opened me up more to like what you would consider the educational or expert type YouTube creators. But there's just so many of us, I think. um, And education is like not everybody's been doing it for as long. And so people are coming on board, you know, now more and more. Mm. Um, But I don't I don't see it like expert or YouTuber. It's like I'm in both of those communities equally. Mm. So I think it's kind of just. Yeah, however collaborations fit. And a lot of people, like the Try Guys, for instance, came to me with an idea where they were like, hey, 
we haven't really taken vacation. So, you know, and they try things. So like, we're going to try taking a break and we'd like you to talk about why that's important. And so there's a lot of things that just work seamlessly with them. And um, yeah, I hope that kind of answers your question. <laughs> Definitely. It's just, yeah, incredibly interesting. Like, and I think what's really great from, from, you know, outside of looking in perspective is that from day dot, you had this, this mission and this purpose for the channel and what you want to achieve. Yeah. Well, it keeps you motivated, right? If we don't have purpose, it's like, what's, what's it all worth? Why am I doing this? Mm. And I think a lot of, especially young people now, everybody wants to be a YouTube creator. Like, Oh, I want to be a YouTuber. That's what I want to be when I grow up. But people don't realize how much work it is. Exactly. And it's like just to put out one video, like for instance, people, I do get asked sometimes by smaller creators. They're like, I want to collaborate with you. I started my channel a month ago and I'm like, I'm happy to collaborate because it's not about size of of your channel. It's more about like, hey, how many videos have you put out? And are you putting out a video? Like call me when you put out a video at least once a week for a year. Mm-hmm. Then I know you've got some skin in the game. You know what it's like. <laughs> you know how much effort it takes. Because for you to ask me to create a video with you is taking, it, I know how much work that's going to be for me mm-hmm. um, and for them. But you know what I mean? Like it, I just, it's it's an interesting space because a lot of people think oh you just like film it on your phone and I, i'm sure people still think that and you just put it up on youtube so easy <laughs> you're like mm, it's really not and <laughs> give it a try let me know what you think <laughs> I, 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 this is this is an area i really wanted to, to chat to you about katie so I'm, I'm stoked that you you went there because um a couple of things one is well like you mentioned kid like I think some research recently came out that uh, more student, more kids want to be YouTubers than astronauts, and that's the first time astronauts has been top, taken off the when I grow up. Um, top oh, of the list. really? I didn't realize it was astronauts. Yeah. I mean, that makes sense. Astronauts still. Well, I, now, I, I, now, think, I think actually in China it's still astronauts. Yes. <laughs> they don't have YouTube, but TikTok. Or that's the thing. Yeah. Um, and then, like, and how much work goes into it? There's, there's probably a couple of things, but like, one I wanted to highlight was like, everyone knows, probably everyone knows of Ninja as a mm-hmm. um, creator, and, and like, there's a stat that I looked up. I remember it, it, it stuck in my head, and I had fact checked it again yesterday. But in 2018, apparently he he said he did over almost 4,000 hours of streaming for Twitch. Um, oh my god! And so, and someone else broke this down. But apparently that's 95 40 hour weeks back to back. So over that's an crazy. average of 11 hours a day. And the dude's married. Um Yeah, yeah. And so yes, he is like in um in some metrics an incredibly successful creator. Um but mm-hmm. but that's pretty insane and then um he actually followed that tweet up when he he said that and he's like I didn't uh, stream for 48 hours, I lost 40,000 subscribers back to it. Um, oh my God. Yeah. <laughs> so like, ob- obviously that's at the very extreme end of content creation. Um, mm-hmm. And he's like, I know this star will not be at the Zenith forever. So I'm going to double down on this until it, it, yeah. it falls. It's like the What's the saying? You gotta make hay while the sun shines. Yes, um, <laughs> but you make you make two, you like you know you're no slouch. You make two videos a week, I think. Um, yeah. Uh, as well as speaking gigs, um, you run your own practice still. Um, you talk, take your time out to talk to to guys like us on podcasts and other people. Um, like, what's like? Yeah, can we un- unpack all of that a bit? Like, so probably from your perspective. Like how, like how much yeah. work goes into that from a creator perspective, and then also probably we can dive a bit deeper into the impacts of that as well for others. Yeah, because I think I think that like the hours, if you break it down, like if you break down a video, if you think about like even just coming up with the title and the thumbnail, it could be like two hours because you play around with things. I do searches on Google to see what's what's tracking, what's doing well, what are other key phrases people are using you know, is it bright colors people like, what, how about this thumbnail? Like Sean and I, my husband who helps with the channel go back and forth over these things till we hate it. You know, you're like, I don't want to hear about that anymore. And so that's just that not to mention the hours of research and writing that I do to make sure that what I say is, is fact is like actually what's happened or is how we diagnose. And I didn't misspeak and say one week when it's two weeks, cause I'm a human and oops. Um, so there's a lot of that. And then the editing process can take a few hours. 
So each video, if it's a, a pretty easy edit and an easy like research thing for me, meaning that I already kind of have an idea, but I just have to like fact check some things. It at minimum we're, th- we're talking like 10 hours and that's just one. And if you do that twice a week, that's half of your week just to create two videos. And, and so the streamers also like they have to do it live. Like, I think that's the thing that, that is really difficult for people like Ninja or um, any gamer out there is that people want them live doing it and they watch and that's how they make money. So it's like, you don't make money if you're not actually actively working. Mm. And for anybody who's like in the regular non YouTube, non creative space, like I want that to sink in that like, you don't, if you take vacations, you don't get paid. Like I know as a therapist, I already do that. Like if I'm not seeing a patient and not getting paid for that hour from that patient, then I'm not getting paid. Mm. Um, but if you work in a big organization, you have sick days, you have vacation days and you get time off. And so I think more and more on YouTube, even personally, um, we've been talking about burnout. Mm. And I think that's a really important, it happens to everybody from stay at home moms to engineers to, you know, truck drivers to everybody. But I think that we see it most with YouTube because people are afraid to take breaks because like Ninja said, I didn't stream for 48 hours. I lost 40,000 subscribers and that's like money out of his pocket, you know? Um, but I'd like to like, my plan is to, for the rest of this year and the beginning of next year to like change the conversation about that. Um, and I almost, even though I know he's being completely honest, but I wish Ninja hadn't said that Mm. because I, I would have liked for him to say, um, And I, you know, and now I'm going to take a vacation or something, even if it's just a joke, because I feel like the fear that people have for taking a break and what that would equate to in their business and in their subscribers, views, AdSense, you know, whatever, however you make money, there's this, I I think it's a myth, I believe, and I'm going to test my hypothesis. I'll tell you a little bit about that, but I, I believe it's a myth that you can't take breaks, that your audience will still be there for you. Um, and YouTube, I've been talking with them a lot about creator burnout because they're very concerned and what's their role and how do they help. And I think, yes, it takes a lot of work, but we can't be afraid to take breaks. And it's almost necessary because I don't know about you guys, but like when you finally get a really good vacation, you come back energized. Oh, yeah. And things are so much easier, like versus feeling like you're trudging through it, you know? Um, and so I am going, I'm going down to doing one video a week as of October 1st. Um, there will be one Thursday video that goes up cause it's world mental health day. Can't miss world mental health no. day. Um, <laughs> but that's only once a year and I'll see how long I want to do that, but I, I'm doing it because I'm going on vacation and it's hard to stockpile that many videos. Um, and I just kind of want to see what it's like. And then I may take a whole month off in like January or February and just see how that does. I'm fine sharing analytics with people because I think it's a myth. I think the, the idea that we can't take breaks is, is just bull. And so I'd like to prove that wrong. It's, that's a really interesting aspect. And, um, you know, I remember, I think it was Todd from, um, creator insider said like, you know, algorithmically, there's no reason why you can't take a break. It's not going to penalize you. In fact, you know, creators Mm -hmm. have left and they come back and they've had, you know, even, even more people watch because you know they are great that person's back i'm really keen to see what they have to say but there is that fear from the creator side that oh if i go i won't be relevant after a few weeks and people will be moved on and i guess that's just balancing that up um i mean to be honest with the creators we've seen who've taken a break algorithmically there's been no real issue um and yeah. the audiences if they're engaged they're really happy when the creators come back so it is interesting well, you know what what ninja said yeah. And I pulled my audience just out of curiosity, just to see, cause that's the thing is like, I don't have to keep any secrets from them. Like I communicate with them, see what they think. And I'd ask, I was like, what, how would you feel if I went down to one video a week? Mm-hmm. And they were like quality over quantity. Like you do what you want. That was all support. I want to say it was like 96% in favor. Mm-hmm. Um, and also like think about Shane Dawson. He takes months off while he works on big projects. Cause it takes a lot of effort and time and in planning and all sorts of things to, to make sure that you put out a good product, right? And TV shows go dark, uh, you know, uh, movies are created and then they're out and you you don't hear, it's not like they continue every week or every day. Um, And I think we have to start thinking of it that way. Um, 
and Todd is the, I, I spoke with Todd. I know Todd Beaupre, I, I think is his name from search and discovery about the break thing. And he was like, sometimes I think you're like competing against yourself with a lot of content. And so we're going to give it a go. See, see how it goes. Do you feel pressure though? Or have you felt pressure to create two videos a week? Um, oh yeah. 100%. I'm, I'm a, I think it's, it's part of just me as a person. I, if I make commitments, you, you can count on me. So when I tell people I'm going to do something, I'm going to do it. And I think the belief that you have to at least create once a week, um, for a while I did five videos a week back in, I don't know, let's uh, 2013, 2014, probably 2014. Um, because I had so many questions and also I think I was just like, it, I was fresher as a creator. Like I hadn't been in it that long. And people are like, how'd you do that? And honestly, I have no idea. I think I just blocked it out. I'm like, I don't even remember. I don't even know what that was like. Um, but I, so I do feel pressure, but I, it's self-induced. Like my audience is so understanding. And so like, if I just let them know I'm having a, a tough time, I need a break. They're like, okay. But, I mean, it's mental health too. They're like, practice what you preach, do your thing. <laughs> <laughs> Super supportive. Um, and so, yeah, it's definitely self-inflicted. I've definitely felt the pressure to keep creating, but I'm kind of challenging that now, especially just because, and I'm sure every creator can, like this can resonate with them, is like as this hobby that you did becomes a business, there's so much more that goes into it. Like even just the amount of emails I get in a day or the amount of requests that are incoming or the, like I wrote a book and that was a lot of, I mean, I wrote it myself, like every word written by me. And that's a lot of work. And I think the keeping your YouTube channel still going while you're a CEO and a creative director and, you know, you're wearing all these hats, it just becomes too much. If there's creators listening, like we, we come across them all the time where they're like, I'm going to start a channel or I've started a channel and I'm going to create one video a week. And then they've got this pressure or they've, they're, they're in that grind almost of creating X number of videos per week. What practical tips do you have, both as a creator and as a as an expert in the field, that people can to sort of overcome that self-induced pressure or, or perceived pressure of constantly feeding the beast? Yeah, I mean, I think there's a couple of things. There's like logistical things from like getting a team if you can afford it, um, whether that's someone that helps you write scripts or edit or even just an assistant that helps uh, scheduling. That's been huge for me um, just because trying to remember to put things in a calendar and get back to everybody and say, yes, I'm available or no, or is takes up so much of my day. Um, and so I think logistically a team is helpful if you can. And I know a lot of creators out there are like, Hey, I'm barely making ends meet. That's because I was that way for years. So I know what that's like. And I think the next is like finding small ways you can work smarter, not harder. Mm -hmm. Like whether that is uh, breaking up your days from like, email management for this amount of time, like only an hour, then creative work when you're feeling your best. Everybody knows what their best time of day is. So if you aren't a morning person like me, like I hate the mornings. Um, and so if you aren't, then maybe your creative time is like noon to three or something like that. And so breaking up your day in chunks so that you know this, this is when you're doing this, this is when you're doing that and you can shift gears and get hopefully more done. Um, but also I think as far as like the, the need to feed the beast, I think it's like knowing that you can have real conversations with your audience and let them know. And as long as you communicate that and you feel authentic about what you're creating and you're excited about it, they're going to be that way too. And if that takes two weeks to come out or a month, or if that means you, you produce like eight videos and then you go dark for five months, as long as you let them know why that is and what's going on, um, and you're still stoked about what you're making, I think all of that will come through and it will be really well received and it won't be, we, we as creators won't feel so burnt out and our audience won't wonder where you went, you know? Sorry. And especially like YouTube has other ways to interact with an audience, like, uh, the community tab, YouTube stories. There's definitely ways to keep your audience engaged with you knowing you're still there. Even if there's just a little story while you sit at your computer and edit, you know? Yeah. Yeah, and I think also that um, that thing that you said that you know quality over quantity, you know that that's something we keep keep hearing from 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 audiences, but also you know top creators. Yeah. So I think that's a a, a really a really good point to hammer home to to a lot of creators. Um, yeah, and I think there's um, the last thing I kind of want to say about this. Sorry, is I think that this pressure, and this is something I've been grappling with recently, is like this pressure to work an eight hour day as a creator. 
like, oh, I have to get up and I should be working all of these hours doing creative things. And that's just not the nature of creative work. Creative work can be really, really mentally taxing and exhausting. And so changing the way that we, the conversation we have with ourselves about what we should be doing, because what some random guy like a hundred years ago said that we should work from nine to five. I don't know who that person is. I don't know why that's why when we have to work, but that doesn't, I don't want that to bleed into creative work because if you think about like a painter, they can all of a sudden be inspired and they paint all night and then they aren't, they don't do any of that for maybe two more weeks. And then they come back and, you know, and thinking of creative work more in that frame versus the feed the beast, got to do more, got to put it out. Even if I think it's a turd, I'm going to put it out (laughs) because I got to feed that algorithm. I like, I know I, I watch a ton of YouTube and I can tell when the person's not interested in it or if it's not their best, I'm like, Oh, I didn't really like that. They weren't excited. I'm not excited. So just, I try to think about that. Um, especially now as I'm like, you know, titrating down a little bit on what, how many videos I produce is like, maybe that's not the best thing to feel like I have to feed the beast and to put out a turd because nobody wants that. (laughs) I I think that's like a t-shirt almost. Don't put out a turd. Like (laughs) nobody likes a turd. (laughs) (laughs) Sorry for all the turd lovers out there. (laughs) It's interesting what you're saying about, you know, creative people. And I, I think obviously a lot of cre- uh, creators are very creative people um and the creative mindset often can be different to other mindsets um do you think that that makes creators a little bit more susceptible to more mental health issues or uh, more um they're more um uh, upset when they get for a negative feedback or you know it's hard to handle certain things in different ways i know we've had creators who've told us like oh they can't deal with the comments because they just can't deal with negative comments or, you know, they feel really, really taxed or really, really mentally tired because they're putting so much of themselves into these videos. So how is it, can you, can you speak to that, that whole aspect of creativity and how that might, these pressures might affect specifically creative people? Yeah, I think, I mean, uh, by and large creatives as a whole and creators are way more susceptible, I believe, to burnout, which if burnout goes untreated, Um, And burnout occurs, just so we're all talking about the same thing. Burnout occurs when the reward that we get for what we're doing isn't at least commensurate or more than the effort we put in. So you just have to think about that, like, because then getting into, so if burnout goes untreated, it can lead to depression and anxiety. But if we get back to kind of what you're saying, you've heard from other creators that they can't deal with the comments and everything. Imagine putting 10, 15 20 hours into a video only to read the comments. They're like, this is stupid and your face is ugly and you suck. Or, you know, I mean, you just don't know, right? People online can be the worst. Um, And so I think that the fact that we get instantaneous feedback and possibly feedback we don't even want or don't even need in our life or uh, people who just are angry at themselves and people around them. And so they lash out online because it's anonymous and it's much easier. Um, that makes us more susceptible to burnout and to mental health issues because not everyone, like imagine if you work in corporate America and you go to turn in this report to your boss because they just wanted to see how the stats are going and somebody out of a closet's like, you suck, this is stupid. Like, you know, we don't get feedback like that in regular life, but we do online. Um, And I don't, I think it's hard for people outside of the creative experience to, to even recognize that. Like, oh, I didn't think about it that way. But, you know, that's kind of what's happening. And then if you think about like the reward, right? So if it's connection with other people and your audience is just talking shit all the time and like telling you you're horrible, then that's going to make you feel worse. And that takes that reward away. And then think about analytics and, oh, my watch time is down or it didn't get as many views or my subscribers aren't growing. Like that reward is ever changing and the effort only grows because we're running businesses and we're, we're maybe writing books or we're speaking or we're, we're doing all these other things. And so I think that that it's like the perfect storm for burnout slash mental illness. Other, other like potentially then other, maybe it's the wrong word, but other metrics or markers that, that creators should then focus on as the reward or like, is there, is there a, or is it something like that? I think there definitely is. I think making it internal, not external, mm. because I think a lot of people think of reward as, oh, it's money, it's influence. 
you know, um, it's the power that I have to, you know, bring, you know, sick my audience on someone else. Like people can feel really rewarded by that. And I think the more we're able to look at the reward as like, it's fulfilling to me. I'm proud of the creative work I've done because that was something I haven't done before. Um, or my editing was on point, like finding things that you have control over that are more internal. Um, the reason that you started creating in the beginning, because I think a lot of creators, for, we lose sight of that mm. only because it, it, we're doing it all the time so often. Um, and getting back to basics, I think could be really healing as well as just if like noticing things that take away that fulfillment or that joy from creating if it's like comments and stuff, then maybe you just don't engage in those as much. And I think paying attention to that and changing how we interact accordingly could be really, really helpful. Are you willing to share, like, do you have your own internal sort of markers of, of success or that for you, when you're creating your content that you'd be willing to share? Yeah. I mean, mine's, I'm not, it's funny because I don't really think of myself as a creative person. Um, <laughs> Oh, you are. But I, I, but I went to the funny thing is I went to this like event and it was all about like uh, creative and, and how to think like a creative. And the guy was like, people put creativity on a pedestal. Like it's this thing that you just can't like, I'm into, to education. I'm not creative. It's just teaching. Um, and he's like, but you're all creative. Cause you think about things differently. You're doing something that's different from the way people have done it. And so I'm trying to get that in my head that like, I am creative. Um, oh, yeah. But when it comes to like my internal, uh, fulfillment. I think part of it for me is just the ability to reach people. I know that that's so abstract, but just the, the ability, like I am constantly amazed with the fact that YouTube even exists. Like there, I forget what comedian it was, but he was talking about just the magic of text messaging. Like that went to space and came down into someone <laughs> else's phone. And it's like, I have the ability to place a video onto a site for free. Also they pay me little bits here and there for videos because advertising exists and someone in, I don't know, Cyprus can at that same time that it goes live, watch it. That's mind blowing. It's amazing. And so I try to just keep the joy of like, and the childlike nature about like, wow, YouTube is a thing. This is so cool. Um, and I get to be a part of it. This is so cool. Um, and so I, I really like, enjoy that kind of like I don't know roll in that feeling and absorb it and then I also like my audience is a huge like the ability to positively change someone's life is like nothing else I mean that's why I'm a therapist in general so the the ability to reach instead of you know 15 25 people a week I get to reach like hundreds of thousands of people and and that's really, really cool. And that's kind of what I focus on. Like I keep some really good letters I've received from my audience over the years. And if I'm having like a really terrible day, I'll read them. Um, because for some reason, well, I mean, we know why through research, like our brain seeks out threat. So when we hear negative things, we remember those, but it's hard for us to absorb the positive ones because those aren't threatening. It's not, you know, important that our mind so soaks that in and remembers. And so if you have a negative comment, I'd encourage any of you out there that are dealing with that to read five positive ones. Cause we know that about five to seven, sometimes it'll take seven um, to negate that one negative. That's a great tip, but wow. That's, yeah. Um... Isn't that crazy? It, I went down a rabbit hole cause I've always wondered why it's so easier to remember that nasty one comment than like all the hundreds of nice ones. It's threatening. I'm like, oh. Isn't that why, like, we obsess over certain things? Like, it might mm -hmm. be inconsequential, but it's like this one negative thing in a sea of positive stuff. But we just sort of, you know, always think about that thing. Yeah, exactly. It's that's why. What um just on the comments thing? What about like, there's a, a creator we had on the podcast a couple of weeks ago, Pierre Ford. She has framed, I think, one like the first really nasty negative comment. Um, mm -hmm. like. And, like, like framed and put it on her wall. Framed friend. it, put it on the wall, um, and sort of celebrates it. And and I think every year, like, has like a retweets it or puts it out as like a, almost like an anniversary of this <laughs> my first really nasty comment, and sort of uses that to build build a bit of an armor around herself. What what about things like that? Is that um, I mean that works for for Piera, but is is that something that is, should be commonly used? That sort of technique. 
I mean, it depends on how you are. Like for me, that kind of stuff, I, if I let it, if I like read it and printed it and put it, it's like, good under my skin. Like it, it's too much for me. Um, but everybody's different. And a lot of people can see negativity as like motivation. It's almost like I'm doing well. And you can look back at all the like naysayers and be like, ha, I laugh, you know, in your face. Um, and so that might be more her personality where mine is more like, oh, that was mean. <laughs> Why'd you have to say that? You know? Um, so yeah, I mean, whatever works for you. Like there are different strokes, man. Everybody's different. When I'm on the mic. Fred, let's take a quick break here and just give ourselves a big plug. We are super excited by this new initiative. We have created the Changer Creator College. The Creator College, quite simply, is a place where you can get a whole bunch of online courses, including our brand new Accelerate course for YouTube, designed to help emerging and new creators become even better on the world's biggest video platform. The reason we think it's pretty good is that it's not just our opinions, but the opinions of a bunch of really great creators and experts coming together to give you a very logical structured course damn right it is the college just for creators so check it out at changercollege.com that's c-h-a-n-g-e-r college.com one thing i wanted to touch on is sort of circling back a bit with creators and yourself talking to your audience and sharing and sorry i'm going to babble on for a little while here but i saw a really interesting session at vidcon in Anaheim this year with um, a researcher called Cat Lowe. It was a session called like uh, Beating the Grind Without Losing Your Mind and it was all about you know, uh, creator wellness and mental health. Um, but she, she mentioned something that really sort of struck a chord with me that people, the create, like YouTube creators especially, are, it, it feels like you're encouraged um, and it's almost like a, a, a pillar for success is if you put yourself out completely and open yourself out and, and uh, vulnerable on the platform. Um, but she sort of pointed out that there is a, a mental health toll with being vulnerable all the time and putting yourself mm-hmm. out in that vulnerable position. Really interested to hear, hear what you think about this. Do, you know, do creators need to be vulnerable and, and put themselves completely out there? And um, are there any potential negative mental health issues that could come with that? Yeah. I mean, I don't think that we need to put ourselves out there completely. I personally don't put much out about myself. I mean, my personality is there, but it's no one else. I don't owe anybody any information about me, you know? Um, Also, maybe it's just the therapist in me too, is like, you shouldn't know that much about your therapist. So I don't really put much out about my personal life online. Um, And over the years, people have wanted more and more and I've, I've less and less been inclined to share mainly because, and something I've said on panels at different events is like, you never want to give someone the bullets to kill you. And I mean that with like information because information is powerful. And if you're not okay with like, especially teenagers too, like if you're not okay with walking into school, knowing everybody knows what you put online, then you probably shouldn't put it online. And once you put something out there, you really can't take it back. We all know that. And so I think that pressure to share, sure, you can be rewarded through like views and and money if the AdSense, you know, piles up or you get a brand deal or something like that. I think that that then could be rewarding, but I would just caution everybody out there to be very, very aware of what they're sharing and be mindful that you can't take it back. Everybody will know it forever. Um, And just double check yourself, make sure you're okay with it being there because I, I just... I don't like that because it's, I mean, there are certain stories that I'll share because I think it helps someone better understand. And it's also sometimes cathartic to get things out. And I don't want to like say that there, there's not a place for it, but just be very, very aware. Um, because I actually don't think that that is a very healthy thing because going back to what we talked about kind of before and like comments and uh, trolls online, even if you have a wonderful audience, like I do, people can still filter in randomly and, and say things that are hurtful. And so making sure you're in a position to be able to handle that, I think is of the utmost importance because I mean, I could see some, if, if it, if you're vulnerable all the time and you're getting negative feedback, depression couldn't, it could be one of the like side effects of that. I, I don't know. And does it, from a creative perspective, obviously your, you know, success doesn't hinge on that either. Yeah, not at all. I think honestly, it's more about like just creating content that people like. It has nothing to do really with, with you sharing all of your personal stuff. 
And I mean, there are different types of creators as well. Like um, often the edutubers who are, you know, when people go to their channels, they're there to learn something rather than really invest in the lives of, of the creators compared to maybe the people who are vloggers or, you know, they talk about their lifestyle on, on, a, on a daily basis. Like they might be more, I guess, uh, you'd say they'd be more vulnerable, wouldn't they, in, in their approach compared to someone in education, for example? Yeah, I think just the content itself lends to that. Um, just, you know, because people are there to learn. It's not like my channel is not really about me, you know? Um, and so I think just like keeping that in mind is good, but also just, I, I just think that like, I don't know, it's tricky because I know a lot of people feel pressure to open up and share, but I, I think that creating good content can look many different ways. Um, and you don't want to, I don't know how to say this, like in a way that, but you don't want to tread on your life or your relationships or your personal stuff in order to gain, you know, viewers, followers, money, like I, what's left for you. We talk a lot about obviously, um, creator resilience and, um, you know, the people who are, they feel like they, you know, they're putting themselves out there a lot trying to become stronger. Um, and you mentioned earlier on, it, it really does help to have someone, there to help you like a partner for example if you you know you, you work with your partner um who helps you shoot i guess it's a very it's a part of your support network um some creators obviously don't have that and they feel alone so you know one thing we encourage is community can you tell us a bit like how important is it to have some sort of support network oh it's very important I, for everybody not even just creators i think um having a, a nice broad support system and broad meaning some should be friends some should be family some should be work colleagues and I think with creators, we don't go to an office where we get to interact with people. So we don't have those work colleagues. Um, and especially for me, it was really hard at the beginning because nobody really got what I did. And all of my colleagues were like psychiatrists, psychologists, other therapists. And they were like, you're doing what? You know, um, are you sure that's like what people do that? Um, I was like, yeah, I do. I'm, I think I'm the only one, but people that are doing it. Um, and so having that's part of kind of not making it full circle, but back to at the very beginning, we were talking about like being friends with other creators who do totally different things from me. Um, that's been really key to my survival on the platform. Um, and also like YouTube space LA isn't far from where I live and I've gone over there and that's really allowed me to be, to build a, a greater relationship with YouTube as a whole. Um, and I think for any creator out there, if like I used to buy my own tickets to VidCon and go and just try to meet people and chat. And I think I know that that's not going to work for everybody, especially if you have like social anxiety or something, but bring a friend along and go and try to, I think YouTube can feel it's a huge space. It feels like there's just so many people all the time doing YouTube, but there's really like a core small group that you can make for yourself. Um, you know, like a lot of my friends are animators and they, the animators themselves are like a super close tight knit group. And I think finding some people who get what you do and understand the ups and downs and the weirdness of your schedule, I think is really important for just our overall mental health and wellness, because we need to have someone we can vent to who gets it. And it can feel really great to be, feel validated when they're like, oh my God, I felt that way too, like a few months ago, you know, and they can go into their own story and that can just be so validating and empowering. And so I think the more support we have to talk about the ups and downs of work, the better, um, because we don't work in traditional jobs. So we don't have like the water cooler chat time where we get to like vent about, you know, how much those stupid things we have to put together for our <laughs> boss suck, or I don't know, whatever it is, <laughs> the TPS reports or whatever. <laughs> I'm nodding my head vigorously as, as you say all this, Katie, because, um, yeah, I can't agree more with what you say because, you know, um, there's creators we've known who, who don't know other YouTubers and people, they'll be like, I'm getting all this hate on the comments and all their friends of support network just like shrug and say, just turn off comments. Uh, I don't know what you're talking about. Yeah, they yeah. don't understand. So far, yeah. So, so building that community and that you know that's a big part of what 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 is at the heart of what we do is that is community building for 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 the creators. So um, yeah, I'm glad the professionals agree with us too. It's good. Yeah, yeah, it's really important. <laughs> I mean, we all need to vent to somebody and have people who get it, mm. um, and we all need work colleagues, even if we don't work in the same office. When you think about it, like this whole idea of being a professional YouTuber is, is a very new concept and it obviously comes with its own 
very unique and very new challenges that one, a lot of, I wouldn't say normal people, but everyone else doesn't seem to really understand. Um, and like, you know, to, it is isolating in many aspects. Um, and we've tried to do a lot in our events, you know, we try to build a community we've released a free app so that you can at least, you know, jump on that. If you, um, if you want to belong to some sort of community online, um, but it, it is so important because at least in ha chatting to someone in the community or chatting to that support network, you at least feel like you've got that support rather than feeling like you're doing this all on your own and no one understands you. Yeah, yeah exactly. I think, I mean, we're like, as humans, we're, we're created for connection. Like it's part of how it's our, our nervous system gets soothed is through connection. That's why like having a good caretaker when you're a baby and like, your mom or dad feeding you like that's part of our connection how our body forms connections and so we're like primed for it we need it um it doesn't make you weird it doesn't mean that you know you can't hack it on your own we all need that and i think feeling uh like lonely or isolated is a horrible feeling and that's a cool thing about like youtube as a whole is it, it connects people um and so yeah i really encourage anybody out there to like be more involved in your community like like I said I used to pay my own money to go to VidCon buy tickets get a hotel I would go down and I know that finance like finances can be tricky for people but make an effort to connect with others in your area you know um if you have a partner manager at YouTube they they can potentially connect you with people because they know who's in the area if you're like in Australia or if you're in Singapore or if you're in California or Texas you know there's all sorts of, there's all different areas of the world and creators everywhere. So get connected to your local community. So, so you have people to talk to when you need to. So I'm not, you mentioned, obviously, I mean, we've been talking about, you know, some of the difficulties creators have and, um, but you did mention like, you know, it, it, it is a, and what you do is you help so many people and it is a, it is actually a platform for a lot of positivity and a lot of great things come out of YouTube. Um, can you sort of explain like uh, a little bit of the, the psychology around that? Like how so many people have found this tremendous connection on the platform have found like, you know, feel validated. Um, and they feel when they look at creators, they, they find almost like, an, like a new family. Yeah. I think um, there's a lot I could say about this. I guess the main points of it are the fact that back in the day before the internet, if you were a minority in your local area for any reason, like I'm really interested in this type of video game, Nobody else in your area plays it, so you don't have anybody to play with. Or I'm part of the LGBT plus community, and I live in this rural area where I don't even, we don't have like a community center where they talk about this stuff. Like, you know, where, how do I even begin? And the great thing about YouTube as a whole is it's allowed people to find all of their, you know, tribes, as they say. So it's like you get to find the people who are like you. You get to find people who um, enjoy the things that you enjoy. And I think that that, is just the it, back to the connectivity and the validation. It's really great. And so I think the wonderful thing about YouTube, even for my community is like people know they're not alone and the way they're thinking isn't weird. That doesn't mean something's wrong with you. Um, it can be so empowering, so validating and, and also comes with a sense of community, whether it's like in a Facebook group or in the comments of YouTube or, you know, whatever you offer to your audience it's a really great way for them to connect, to, to chat with one another. And also I think that makes it easier on the creator. Cause like for me, I created a Facebook group and I have moderators that moderate it and I don't, it's not about me. It's about them. Mm. I don't really engage in there. Like I might post something if I think it's funny or a cute meme or something, but they do it because the internet connected them and they have a lot to chat about. Trust me. They talk 24 seven <laughs> in that, in that group. <laughs> really awesome. Hey, um, Katie, what I want to I want to do is spend a bit of time talking practical tips across a bunch of things that we've seen a lot of creators sort of come across, but also see if there's any other other ones um, that you might bring up. But what's it, kind of interesting um, here in Australia and today is actually this thing called Are You OK Day. Oh yeah. Um, so if you and if for people who don't know what that is, um, it's a, a really simple mental health awareness day just to ask someone are you okay and start a conversation to grab a coffee and ask are you okay quite interestingly i think that's the the title of your book it um, is the title yeah which I have is a funny story about that yeah which is fantastic well do you want to maybe you want to tell us about your book and then we can 
Yeah. Or the funny um, story. It's, is it about the it's book? It's kind of a little bit of both. So awesome. in my book, um, we couldn't come up with a title for a while. Me and my literary agent were playing around with like four or five different options. And I went to uh, Australia for a VidCon uh, two years ago or so, three years ago. And I got lost as I do. I'm horrible at directions. And I was, my husband was like, we have to go, we're going the wrong way. And as I turned, it had um, this neon sign, are you okay? For the, are you okay? Day. And it was the R, the letter R, U, yeah. you know, okay. Yeah. And, um, and I made him take a picture. I posted on my Instagram because I was like, this is a sign that that's one of the titles. And I think we should go with it. And so we took a picture and that's how we decided that was the title of the book. Oh. And at the time I didn't even know that are you okay day was a thing. But when I had talked to my audience about it, they were like, Oh my God, yes, it's a day. We all ask each other, you know, and they told me the history behind it. Yeah. Right. Um, wow. Yeah. So that's, that's how the title came to be. And then um, my book is just like a mental health guide, like one oh one, Cause I think a lot of people don't know what they don't know. So how do you even know what to ask, right? How do you form a question if you aren't even sure where to start? And so it's really just like, you know, what to ask and where to start. Brilliant. We didn't schedule today's recording to match up with that. It's just the universe just came out and did it. So, um, but I, I think that's a really like, it, it, yes, there's a day for it. And it's, but I think it's a, like a really simple, practical thing is like, we don't do it enough. It's like, you just turn to, to somebody and you're like, are you okay? There's a couple of sort of... Uh, um, Issues that we see a lot, and I was sort of like, if are there any things that people can do, like, are you okay? So, like one one we see a lot is with creators, um, big and small, is imposter syndrome. Is there any advice you can give to to people about how they can address that? Yeah, I mean, imposter syndrome is interesting because I think we've all felt it from at one time or another, and they not that it only affects women, but they find it's more common in women. Um, I think. I always tell people, I'm like, look for evidence because we, we often tell ourselves these stories and make up these stories about us not being good enough or no one liking us. But if we really truly look for tangible evidence, like, do I have a situation or something that I really know happened? Like, I'm not making up that I think they said something or that they were whispering about me because I couldn't hear what they were whispering. So I actually don't know. Like, look for tangible evidence to, to like really support the positive side. So like I am, uh, worthwhile. People are interested. I am good at this. I can do this job. I can, people want to learn from me because I have something to teach. And so if you look for evidence to support the positive, um, because even if you go looking for the evidence for the negative, you won't find any, like 90% of the time, we don't have any evidence to support those like nasty internal stories. Um, so I think just doing that, making that a practice where if something is like bringing you down, if it's a nasty internal thought think do i have evidence to support this or am i just making this up because we do it, it's so funny but i even do this um i mean i'm in therapy too like don't think that i have all the answers and have my life all together 100 i still need my own help um but i will take my own telling of a story over and over and over as like fact like well i've just known this forever like i'm not creative why what evidence do i have to support that I actually don't. And who knows, it could have been like a teacher in fifth grade who said something and I just internalized that. And so I think it's like questioning these stories that you tell yourself and just the fact that you told it to yourself doesn't make it true. Um, and it's hard, but if you're mindful of it, it can be really life-changing because you realize like all these false stories you've been living through, you know, like you're letting them dictate how you talk to yourself about what you do. And so if you can just for a second, slow it down, and think, hey, is that that story again? I don't have any evidence to support that. I think I should let that go. And it can be really freeing. I mean, personally, it's been really helpful. It's it's really interesting. We were talking to a creator just yesterday um, who has who's done really well. And um, she's got some amazing opportunities to, you know, work with, you know, big networks like Hulu and so forth. And she's constantly feeling like this shouldn't be happening to her and this she isn't the right person to be there and questioning her worth in, in the whole process um and we had to basically sit down and, and explain to her that you know what the reason you are here for is you've done so well you've brought all these people together you created this amazing community all this raising content and the reason this opportunity exists is because of what you've done and even then it was still quite hard to, to convince her of that um, yeah because we i mean again it's almost like 
our brain seeks out threat, right? So wait, this is happening. I don't know why. I don't feel good about it. And it looks for reasons to make us feel bad, you know? Um, I think that's why just being aware is so helpful. That that's like goes on to kind of like my one tangible tip that I really feel like can change anyone's life is if you start and end your each day with at least three things that you're grateful for. And yeah, some days it can be the repeat, but I would encourage you to come up with new things. It could even be like, I get, I can see, you know, a lot of people don't have vision that it's, they have impaired vision in some way. You're, you should be grateful. That's amazing. Or, you know, I live in this place where I really love this or I have a great community. I don't care what it is. I think doing that will slowly help weed out any of that like internal negative shit talking we do because we do it to ourselves all the time. Um, what about, so it's interesting, like um, you're talking about it before, like YouTube creators that they don't go to workplace typically. Most don't. They um, Most work from home or, or something similar. Um, mm-hmm. And a lot don't, in, in our experience, don't have a very good work-life balance. Um, they sort of will go and keep working, or they'll sort of like the blur between work life and their home and leisure life is is just because it turned from a passion into potentially a career. Have you got any yeah. sort of tips around that? Yeah, I do. Um, the best one that I can think of is not mixing your spaces. So when people work from home, some people like work in their bed or on the couch where they normally relax. And I would encourage anyone, I know space can be tight, but please get a desk. I don't care how small, get a chair, get a space where you work only, even if it's your kitchen table, just pick a space that isn't related to sleep or relaxation because our, our body's adaptive, our brain's super um, adaptive for us to make things easier and to help us focus more quickly. And so if our brain and body associate bed with focus and work, then when we try to go to sleep, it's going to try to work. And so it's a really easy shift to just like have a space that you only work at that's not associated with anything that's like pleasurable for you. Um, it's just a workspace. Not that work can be pleasurable, but you know what I mean. <laughs> and, um, and definitely have that division because the, because I work from home too. Mm-hmm. Um, and we have a separate bedroom that's an office and I know we're fortunate to have that, but even if we didn't, it'd be in the living room somewhere. I'd probably have the, desk over on the wall behind the door or something, you know, just so I have a space where that's what I do. A creator we were talking to, um, I think he was saying he didn't have much space, but even on his desktop, he had <laughs> a desktop set, like set up on like through software that is for work. And then he can switch on this is for uh, mm. his personal life. So uh-huh. it feels like there's an actual transition happening there. Um, I thought that was an interesting thing when you, you know, didn't have that ability to maybe have a completely new setup, at least even in your computer working environment, have a distinctly different environment to, um, to differentiate them. Yeah. Cause we need boundaries, mm. you know, and those little as, as small or big as we can create them. Um, and also like, I don't work on the weekends and it's not like hard and fast. Like I never do. It has to be a big deal. There has to be like no other way we can make it work or I'm going out of town, I'm taking a vacation, but start setting up some parameters um, and, you know, find what works for you. Cause some people do like to work later into the night, but that means to sleep in or do more like your exercise or your stuff, other stuff in the morning because you work in the evening, just start kind of plotting out some, some loose boundaries and figure out what works for you. It is hard and it's a work in progress, but, but yeah, just start. Awesome. What about hate and negative comments or some, you know, as I like to sometimes call it, unsolicited feedback? Um, <laughs> is there, are there any simple sort of top level tools or, or tips that, that creators could implement? Um, there's a couple of things you can do. Like I hold a lot of comments just from keywords. So if there are certain things like uh, being called stupid, it really gets under your skin or Mm -hmm. there's a certain thing people say, hold those words. And I don't ever go into held comments. It's just a big old, I mean, why would I do that to myself? I'd rather roll glass. So I just like, let it be there because um, I heard somebody say this uh, and it just really stuck with me. And I know it's not what people like to think, but I just have to say it in case it resonates with someone else is your channel is your channel. It's a dictatorship. It's not a democracy. 
So you get to decide what is what lives on there and what doesn't. And if certain comments are super hurtful for you, you don't have to allow them to be there. And that's okay. You know, it's your community. If someone else wants to talk that way, they can create their own community. Um, and so holding the comments really helps. Also just re-engaging with people outside of it. Like that's kind of back to like work-life balance. Make time for dinner with friends, people who are positive. Call your mother as long as she's supportive. Um, and get back in touch with people who who are loving and, and kind. Um, and again, notice your own self-talk because oftentimes we take those negative comments and tell ourselves that they're true. Um, so pay attention to that and look for evidence to go against it. Um, those are kind of my main tips. That's awesome. I think we're going to start just making a whole bunch of YouTube dictators. I love it. That, that is <laughs> killer. I think I, that really, yeah, that resonates with me. I really like that. That's it, a... it, it, is, it is funny you mentioned that because um, like one of our policies here is all the guys who work for us have to jump on Reddit and, you know, answer a question each day to help somebody out with their YouTube issues. Um, and a question, a problem they often come across with people saying like, there's all these people saying all these different things on my channel. Like, what should I allow? I mean, I, sh you know, I should have comments active, but like, like everyone's saying all this stuff and you mm -hmm. know, some, of the, some of the best feedback is like, it, it is your channel. Like this is, you create the world you want to create on that channel. So if you don't like certain comments, don't allow those comments, like build the audience, build the world you sort of want to see um, in your channel yeah. and don't be afraid of that. Yeah, 100%. I agree with that. And then probably lastly, and I know we spent a fair bit of time talking about it, but I think a, a really big one is burnout. You've covered this really well in, um, I think we even mentioned it to your number one video on your YouTube channel, but yeah. And, but more specifically, probably for creators, first point is like just quick signs of recognizing that it, that it, it might be an issue and the second part of addressing it. Yeah. The signs of burnout are pretty simple. They're actually difficulty sleeping, irritability. Like you start resenting your audience, um, feel resentful of the work. Any little thing can set you off. Um, also like changes in appetite. Those are the main things I would look out for. Um, because those are like the irritability one is like the biggest, that's the one I hear from creators the most. And hopefully people can recognize that is when things that normally wouldn't upset you are super upsetting. You'll lash out at loved ones and the resenting your audience. I think that is like a big, just pay attention to that. So those are kind of the signs and symptoms I would look out for. Um, and then as far as like how to combat it, I think it's finding ways to take real time off. That's really, really important. And I know a lot of that's just permission, but I give you permission. If you can't give it to yourself, I give you permission to take time off um, and figure out what you need as far as time off. It might be little breaks. If you can't take big vacations because money's tight, maybe it's like, oh, I take um, you know, an hour for myself every day where I go for a walk and I listen to podcasts or like something. This one. Or <laughs> yeah, exactly. Because that's something that I've I've done when I'm having like I'm feeling really stressed out. I listen to to podcasts and get out of my head, go for a walk. Um, so, or it could be long weekends, like make sure it works for you. It could even be as simple as like, Hey, every morning I spend 30 minutes cause I walk down, I get a coffee and I walk back and that's part of my self care. So just weaving in some of those breaks is really important. Um, kind of going back to other things we talked about, like working smarter, not harder, uh, finding loopholes. Like there's things like Hootsuite and things you can use. Um, I forget what others are called, but that will post to your blog or your Twitter or your Instagram like for you. So you schedule things so you don't have to be on all the time. Um, and then delegating when possible if, if you're able to get a team at all, whether that's an assistant or getting a manager or an agent or anything like that. Um, getting people who can help you a little bit. Um, that's really beneficial. And then having support outside, like we talked about community having people who get what you do. Um, I know not everybody's as fortunate as me to work with my husband and, and we both obviously get it. So um, connecting with other creators, other people in the space, I think could be really helpful to get, to kind of get it out of your head when you're feeling overwhelmed and have somebody say like, yeah, I felt that way too, you know, and this is something that helped me. And so, yeah. So making time for yourself, taking real breaks, working smarter, not harder, delegate when possible and have a community. Wow. And if people, if people think they need help, where should they be? And I guess everyone sort of needs to work on their mental health. Do it now, sooner <laughs> rather than later. You don't have to be feeling your worst to see a therapist or a counselor in your area. Um, 
I would encourage you, if you have friends who talk about mental health with you already or have talked about therapy, ask them who they see. Um, that word of mouth is the best way to get a good referral. But I know in different areas, there's different structure. Like within, I know in Australia, you have to like get on the list and go through your, your general practitioner doctor. So whatever appointment you have to make, make that first appointment to get into that process so you can get paired with someone more quickly. Um, but in the States, uh, you can call your insurance and get a list of who takes your insurance so that it's you know feasible financially for you. Um, and then I always tell people, like, if you're feeling bad at all, you should reach out. And I would go online before you call anybody and look up, see if they have a website. Almost every therapist will. And they'll give you an idea of like what they're like. Because we're not, therapists don't have a ton of cash and we're not super fancy and we're usually not tech savvy. So most of that website stuff we did ourselves, all the <laughs> text we wrote. So it'll give you a, like a little insight into who they are and how, how they interact with the world. And um, hopefully that can help give you a better idea. Um, and then, yeah, make a couple appointments, see how you feel, make sure that you just feel comfortable as comfortable as you can in, in therapy and that you like them at least enough to talk. Um, but yeah, the sooner, the better. There's also online resources like better help talk space, um, and then community support like crisis text line, uh, or even, um, seven cups is another great resource of just kind of peer support. So yeah, there's a lot of resources out there. Um, reach out because we all need help at different times and that doesn't mean anything's wrong with you. It just means you're human and the sooner we get help, the better. Yeah. Great. I think that's a, a really great way to, um, wrap things up, Katie. I think this, this conversation is, is something that every creator should, should listen to, not just cause it's on our podcast, but actually I think it, you know, really, really beneficial, both big and small and aspiring creators just to understand the space and, and to look after themselves. Um, and yeah, we're incredibly grateful to, for, you to take time out to spend it with us on creator generation of course thank you so much for having me i hope this is helpful to your audience that's amazing thanks katie thank you thanks so much and super interesting super useful especially as you get bigger and spend more time on the platform definitely and if you need to find a community we have one at creator generation check it out at the app store or on google play till next time see you next week bye